surfs up at Gotham Point. That's right, Joker. I've been challenging you to the surfing title. Through my latest invention, the surfing experience and ability transferometer, all your surfing know-how will be drained out of you and transferred to me. Some joker drained everything I know about surfing and all my ability with a gizmo called a surfing experience and ability transferometer. Watch here suppose this up, Buzzy. The surf, Duke. Welcome to Surf Kings of Gotham, the only podcast that we're aware of, which bask in the warm technicolor glow of sitcom vigilanteism. That is Batman 1966. Hey, I'm your host, Kyle. And I'm your other host, Brady. We are at the end of season one with episode 34, Batman Makes the Scenes, directed by Tom Grease and written by Sheldon Stark. This episode originally aired May 5th, 1966, with guest villain The Penguin, played by Burgess Meredith of Rocky fame. In the one-sentence Wikipedia summary says, The Penguin has returned and has a dastardly plan involving Alfred, whom the Penguin captures and brainwashes to be his unwitting pawn for his scheme against a wealthy social event. Whew. I'm out of breath now. You talk. Yeah, that was a that was a long uh, Wikipedia this time. Yeah, all one giant run-on sentence. And what an episode it was! Actually, I, I gotta say, uh, not my favorite. Yeah, wasn't a strong ending for the season. I I was amused by the fact that clearly Sheldon Stark has no idea what happens at a charity event because what it leads up to is basically a stag party. <laughs> Oh, or maybe he does. Maybe that's how they were. I don't know. I'm excited to get to that part. That was that's the only part that I liked. was in the 60s. Because it left me dumbfounded, but it gave me so many great ideas for how I'm going to be charitable moving forward in my life. <laughs> Want to get something funded in 1966? <laughs> Gonna need some boobies. Uh, well, that's no different than now, probably. But true, yeah. Just the just the method of donation. That yeah. was great. I can't wait to get there. Yes. So stay tuned, folks, to this episode of Surf Kings of Gotham. That's a teaser. Uh, we open, as we always open every second episode of a story arc, with a recap. In this case, it points out, again, just how dumb <laughs> everything is in this universe. The Oh, there was an umbrella at the scene. Well, this has to be the penguin. Like... That's not that's not gonna hold up in the court of law. It's a good thing this isn't this isn't law and order. Cause let me tell you, Sam Waterston's not gonna go in front of the go in front of the judge with this horse shit. This old lady had an umbrella. Clearly she's <laughs> really the penguin. Take off your disguise, you perfidious fiend. And then it's like we have, powers and he tries to rip her hair off. <laughs> we have evidence. Uh what's that? Uh you have an umbrella. Oh, Good. Okay. Yeah. This is uh, once again, uh, our high-ranking police officials do not know what evidence is. Great. Yes, have no clue at all. Uh, they just show the brainwashed butler again. Reminds me how great Alfred is and how sad I am that bad things are happening to him in this episode. 
I did love, though, in this episode, even though bad things are happening to the best character, that a number of times, especially with, with Batman's plan, he has this look on his face like, you are an idiot who should not be left alone. <laughs> That's true. Uh, they show Batman and Robin being caught in an umbrella forest, uh, which again, they were just in a room and all of a sudden umbrellas opened, trapping them. Did kind of look like a forest. Sounds like the lamest tourist trap I've ever heard of. Uh, <laughs> come and see our umbrella forest. Oh, wow. Great. Exciting. But then at the end of the recap, I wrote a vacuum to the vacuum uh, because I'm clever. And they're back in the vacuum trap that Batman and Robin were trapped in, the death trap, at the end of the previous episode. Hey, hey. So let's get vacuum to the vacuum. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> <laughs> so we, we discover here again that it's scientifically proven based on this thermometer on the wall that the butterfly requires the least amount of oxygen of any living creature on the planet earth and a gorilla requires more than a football player <laughs> but a football player doesn't require a, enough oxygen to keep uh, two normal people conscious no no yeah just you can only keep the one he's he's quite large presumably the whole, that scale was both delightful and dumb as hell yeah, which pretty much describes, that could be the tagline, if if it wasn't so novel that this show was filmed in color, instead of being <laughs> Batman in color, it could be Batman, funny but dumb as hell. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's really the, that's really been the point, after 34 episodes of this podcast, uh, if there's any conclusions that can be drawn, this is Fun and entertaining and dumb as hell. I think that's... Yeah, it's not a smart show. Like, it, I think it gets credit. I think people don't know what to do with it. So because it's so it's so diverges from what you expect of Batman, people are like, it's a really clever inversion of the Batman character. No, it's really not. It's, it's rarely clever. Like, usually it's just, well, we blundered through two episodes with this. Yeah, but the, the characters, the actors themselves do such a good job that it's that one combined with the the nostalgia of it all and, you know, how people remember it from being young and whatnot, it, it makes it good. It's good. It's just, I think if it, yeah, I, I agree with the cast thing. Had it been Lyle Wagner and whoever the other guy was that was supposed to play Robin, I don't know it would have worked. I mean, you pretty much have to have this cast to carry it off. I think so, too. It's one of those things like how the very inspired by Batman, which is why I thought of him specifically, Conan O'Brien is funny as hell. And everybody loves Conan O'Brien. But if it was anyone else, it would be creepy and weird. That's true. Like if David Letterman did Conan's shtick, he would be in prison. That's true. Yeah, no, there's only one Conan O'Brien. And only one Adam West. Although Conan exactly. O'Brien is very, very, very influenced by Adam West. Absolutely. Uh, so back in the back in the vacuum chamber here, we get a weird wheezy like, uh, hold on, Rob Robin. As yeah. it goes from Adam is selling it. He's like, hold on. And, and Burt Ward's just like asleep. Yeah. 
He's like, awesome downtime. <laughs> yeah, I'm not in as good a shape as you, Batman, so I can't go as long without oxygen. Yeah, I spent a lot of my time angry and screaming and jumping on people, and that <laughs> takes quite a lot of energy, so I'm out. So we get to no air at all, which is below Butterfly. Directly below Butterfly is no air at all. We've defeated them. Off we go. And Penguin does a little dance. He does a delightful little dance like the Lucky Charms leprechaun. Yeah. But then one of his goons here, the Jimmy Fallon one, says, don't we have to get rid of the bodies? And Penguin says, shut up, Jimmy Fallon. First, we have to establish an alibi. And then he jumps up and does like a little heel kick. Yeah. And then he waddles off in his little penguin waddle, which was so adorable. Yeah. And he's like 60 years old here already. So he's he's pretty spry. In 1966-60, which is like today, 120. Yes. That tracks. Adjusted for inflation. It's like dog ears. <laughs> yes. <laughs> He's basically a zombie here. <laughs> <laughs> so as, as Penguin and his goons waddle off to establish an alibi, uh, Batman just wakes up. He's normal. He had an emergency air tank. Uh, I wrote doubtful, but okay. Yeah, I was annoyed by that. Like, I've we've seen some dumb escapes from death traps, but this just seemed like you wrote yourself into a corner and then we're like, um, so he had a gas tank or something. It's fine. Yeah, so he's fine. Meanwhile, Robin's still passed out. He's not responding. So he obviously didn't have an air tank. It's like the helmet and the cowl thing. And Robin's just running around bareheaded, <laughs> getting bonked all the time. He doesn't really care about him so much. Batman's sure, like, oxygen. gonna have to stop by the orphanage on the way to the commissioner's office. <laughs> Trade you in for a less damaged model. <laughs> I'll just leave you outside. <laughs> As an unpleasant surprise. Yeah, so Robin's definitely got brain damage from the oxygen deprivation. Which he illustrated Batman in the scene okay. at Commissioner Gordon's office. Yeah. Chief O'Hara says, "Let's we'll put out a dragnet. We'll scour the pier. The pier, which, by the way, is like 146 miles long. 146 miles of pier. Yeah, that is, that's craziness. We'll put out all of the police in the city to patrol an area the size of the border of a state. (laughs) (laughs) Hope no other crimes happen. You're on double duty today, Batman. Yeah, but Batman says, don't worry about it. We already scoured the entire pier. No sign of them. They definitely escaped. So we got to go back to the millionaire dinner plan. Yeah, which is the most convoluted and dumb as hell thing. It is. Batman but at least they're sticking with some kind of a himself, plan. Is what it comes down to. Uh, yeah, and Commissioner Gordon, Gordon doesn't tell them apart. No. Which is great. And, and Adam West doesn't change his voice as Batman. It's not like Christian Bale where he's like, oh, this is my regular Christian Bale voice. And now I'm Batman. Like, it's not even like that. It's just Adam West's normal speaking voice at all times. Yeah, so just to catch everybody up that didn't actually watch this or hasn't seen this episode, um, we don't know where the millionaire dinner is, but Bruce Wayne does. Of course, uh, call him Commissioner Gordon and then call me and tell me what he said. And he rushes off so then it's a game of like telephone here where we just cut to commissioner gordon talking to batman and then talking to bruce wayne but not batman in batman costume he's talking to bruce wayne on the bat phone as batman and then immediately talking to him on a different phone as bruce wayne 
same kind of scene. It's set up really funny. It's 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 if this were a movie where someone was on a date, two separate dates with two different women in the same restaurant and like running back and forth to try to be on both dates at the same time. It's that kind of comedy that I'm getting from this scene here. Yeah, it's very low-key threes company. Like instead of running around manically, Bruce is just kind of like lolling from room to room and he's like, oh hello, Commissioner. I like though how it starts off with Batman's like, I'm going to go now, and you call Bruce Wayne, but give him at least 20 minutes. <laughs> and then he leaves. And then you see like like uh Alfred pulls the pulls the limousine up at a, at a bank. And Bruce like makes him open the door to let him out of the car. And I wrote down, this should be Bruce Wayne's cover. Like it's never really convincing of nobody in town figures out that you're Batman. But if he acted strung out like this at all times, <laughs> no one would ever think, why famed cocaine addict Bruce Wayne is really <laughs> Batman. That's true. He pulls up at Smith, Smith, and Schmidt stockbrokers. That's where the that's where the limo pulls up. And he is. He's definitely not used to talking to people as Bruce Wayne, it seems like. He's or definitely period. Yeah. Yeah. Like maybe he just stopped off at the go-go place and had an orange juice that was spiked. He's like, he's... I just ate my body weight in barbiturates. What do you want, Commissioner? <laughs> and the Commissioner asks him, I need to know where this, where this dinner is happening. It's a matter of very important security. So he tells him, it's the flagship of the Wayne Steamship Company, the SS Gotham Neptune. I did like, though, when Commissioner Gordon spots him, like, pulling up in the middle of apparently the drive-through of the bank to get out of the car. He says, your ward, Dick Grayson, said I could find you here. And Bruce says, thank you. <laughs> it's weird. It's like, oh, okay. So the So the joke here is that Bruce has some sort of chemical dependency got it i'm off to visit my stockbroker. i'm here uh, to make money yes i i noticed here so the flagship of the wayne steamship company is the ss gotham neptune and i wrote down i wonder what happened to the old ss gotham city uh, it must have had joker germs because that's the one that they christened in a previous episode that was the old flagship so there's a new hey, flagship right. every every few episodes here yeah a lot of them just catch fire in the harbor for no clear reason uh this is where sorry this is where the telephone thing happens i guess after he's talked to bruce wayne he calls batman and then i wrote that's a weird game of telephone i hope bruce doesn't forget who he is kind of like the you know the pete holmes college humor batman series there's one one episode of that where he's like switching back and forth to from bruce wayne to to batman mm -hmm. and he's he's imitating the christian bale version and so he's doing the voice, but then he's doesn't take off his eye makeup for one. And then he uses the voice and he keeps getting confused as he wait, just wait here. I'll ask Bruce Wayne. And then he like runs away and comes back. And <laughs> what are you talking about? We're not the same person. And it, it was a good. That's kind of what this reminded me of. I like how when he's doing it, Alfred is like watching him do it. And he just has one eyebrow raised over the frame of his glasses. Like this is the dumbest thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He did. I love Alfred. <laughs> this is where they reveal the the menu for the multimillionaires charity dinner. Uh, they're going to have caviar, crepe Suzette, and a giant cake with a lady hiding in it. What a <laughs> banquet, folks. Rich people really know how to live. Caviar, 
crepe Suzette and a giant lady cake. I believe I'll have some more lady cake, thank you. And this is just where now, if you don't know what's going on, you're really wondering. Alfred is brainwashed, so he's a double agent, but he doesn't realize it. Uh, he's like undercover as a double agent, if you will, his undercover butler. So you don't know who he's revealing, what's going on here, but oh, just wrote down poor Alfred. Is this? Are you at the part where he go, where they're in the Bat Cave and they're looking at slides, and then Batman's like, "Oh, this is where the Millionaire's Dinner will be." I think so. I love I that because I mean. Alfred, when he when he says, "This is where the Millionaire's Dinner will be," and he pulls up a drawing of Wayne Manor, <laughs> and Alfred does another face like, "Oh my god!" Yeah, his <laughs> you his twitch is definitely here. That's an aggressive twitch. Yeah, no. I, I, <laughs> that was pretty funny and they cut to him like it's not like he's just standing there and you have to look at him to see what he's doing like they cut to Alfred for a reaction and his reaction is like this is dumb as hell <laughs> so they reveal that Miss Natural Resources is going to be the one hiding in the cake that was apparently important information so Natural Resources is the charity that's going to get the 12 million dollars uh after that reaction from Alfred, Robin says, holy jitterbug, that twitch is back. Yeah. Um, but this is where they reveal that they're telling everyone the millionaire's dinner is at Wayne Manor, but it's really on the SS Gotham Neptune. Because that's flagship how you of the set, Wayne up a, set up a criminal for a fall is tell people who are going to go to a, to a charity dinner, it's going to be somewhere it's not. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, mind games aplenty here in this episode. We don't know who we can trust. We don't know what's really going to happen. Um, mind games well, aplenty played by an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So the, the Wayne Manor phone rings. Alfred answered it. Uh, Penguin's on the other side with a mind control squeak toy. Yes. <laughs> of some sort. It's like a a little stuffed penguin that when he squeezes it, it squeaks. Wah, wah, wah. The telephone he... is so important in this episode. It, it's like it's like Sheldon Stark had one installed in his house that week, and he's like, <laughs> "I'm writing a script about that." People are going to be amazed. <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah. So Alfred lets Penguin know what the plan is. Penguin's plan is to replace Miss Natural Resources with, with his lady in the cake. Whose name is Vanilla. Is it? Yes. They I say at that. the end her name is Vanilla. Interesting. Yeah, I totally missed that. Uh, so, yeah, they go and take over. They, they first, they, they come down onto the balcony of Miss Natural Resources' hotel room, I guess, on floating umbrellas, which I thought was on brand for the Penguin. Yeah, he's always doing some kind of aerial, aerial like Tom Cruise Mission Impossible stunts with an umbrella that would never work because physics exists. <laughs> Not in Gotham City, they don't. No, no, no. Just like how, you know, society needs at least one functioning adult, but not in Gotham City, it doesn't. <laughs> well, we have one, but he's brainwashed right now, so he's busy twitching. He's busy washing some windows. I like too how Miss Natural Resources, the act, the real one, is like, she's like asking questions of what I assume is her pimp, and he's like, 
Look, honey, all you got to do is pop out of the cake and they throw money at you. <laughs> yep. Money for charity. Money for natural resources. Turn around and shake your ass and we'll be able to fund a public park. Uh, yeah, we never really dove into that too much. Uh, the pre-party in the last episode where they were gathering, you know, everyone was gathered together and all the different ladies with the different sashes on were there. Apparently that's how the millionaires were choosing what charity to support was just what lady they wanted to bone, I guess. Which in retrospect makes more sense because I thought it was weird in the first part that there was a lady who was walking around in a bikini with a sash that said Miss Civil Rights, but now it makes sense. Only you're getting that funded if she walks around in a bikini at, at Wayne Manor. Yeah, I don't know how to feel about that. Every millionaire in town is a, is a white man. They're not going to give money for this cause <laughs> unless you walk around in this skimpy little bikini here. Yeah, uh, that's a little too on the nose for me. I don't know if I, I don't know how to feel right? about that. <laughs> it's biting satire from Batman. And I didn't even, I didn't, it didn't really occur to me that that was what was going on either until the scene later where they're, yeah, where they just, that's how they make their donation. And then I was just like, you gotta be fucking kidding me. What? Right, right, exactly. Yeah. So I was like, I didn't, I thought this was just like, so you don't know how charity works. But then I was like, oh, this is a pointed jab at millionaires. I get it. Okay. I'm on board. Yeah. I'm on yeah. the trolley. Okay, well, let's get on the trolley over to the millionaire's dinner at the SS Gotham Neptune. Because it's, so Bruce Wayne is out of town. So in his place, so we have, we have the, the 11 other millionaires and Batman sitting in for Bruce Wayne, which is not suspicious in any way, shape, or form. No, but he at least makes an effort to act as if he has never been to a fancy dinner before. And Robin, of course, has mental problems, but Batman acts like he's like out of his league, which I, I appreciated that. He's like, do I eat it with this fork or this one? That's true. Uh, my favorite part of this scene. So Alfred comes in. Uh, they're done with their caviar and their crepe Suzette, apparently, because it's time for la pièce de résistance, the cake. And one of the millionaires is like, what's a pièce de résistance? And Robin answers, and he's like, it's the feature of the, it's a French term, meaning the feature of the evening. And the guy's just, oh, well, what's the soup du jour? <laughs> I, add, I added that part. Well, it's the soup of the day. Ooh, that sounds good. I'll have that. It's French with Robin. <laughs> a millionaire's just, but what's that? I like, my favorite part of the millionaire's dinner before the action takes place was Alfred says, like Batman, who's just some guy in a mask, they have no idea if he, he could be like poor for all they know. He's like, why don't you bring in the, the like whatever it is he's going to bring in. And Alfred says, very good, sir. And then he leaves to go bring a dish in and they all applaud him. But Robin, <laughs> Robin sits and angrily stares, waits like two beats, and then like begrudgingly claps up the idea of an old man serving him too. <laughs> that whole thing was weird. <laughs> Robin's just like, I am so I'm so mad at you for locking up your dimes now. Yeah. How am I going to afford cigarette money? If you want me to applaud you, I need more nickels. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. 
So they wheel in the, the giant cake decorated with dollar signs because of course it is. Yes. This is this is the big reveal to the millionaires about, I guess. This is revealing to the millionaires who's getting their donation. But I thought they would have voted on it. So I think they would already know. So it's revealing to no one. Because the lady's in the cake. She knows she won. I don't know who, who the big reveal is for. Right. But I did like when she pops out of the cake. They literally make the money rain at her. Like, if you look at the people around yeah. the table, they're all holding the bills in one hand and, like, shooting it off the top with the other. Yeah. Yeah, they did. That's how they make their charitable $12 million donation. They just throw <laughs> throw fistfuls of dollars at a girl in a sash that jumped out of a cake. Do you support I was... good causes, Mr. Vanderschmidt? Well, I support whatever the whore in the cake pops out and says. Yeah, like was the guy that wrote this episode was his dad like really into strippers or something and he was mad about it? Like that's your or, charitable dad. I'm was going he really into strippers. strippers. <laughs> he was like, This is a chance for her to have a revenge on my I'm going down. I'm gonna go make a charitable donation <laughs> down to the strip pub to donate to charity. Like charity is the name of a stripper that his dad was into and <laughs> Sorry, I didn't get you that bike for Christmas, Junior. I uh, I donated your money to charity. (laughs) (laughs) Which charity, Pa? Natural resources. She's saving up for a boob job. Like, (laughs) no more natural. A lot weirder. Now it's like candy and like Mindy and shit like that. But back in the 60s, it was natural resources, civil rights. well, her name was her name was Charity. She's a stripper. She's all natural right now, but I gave her some extra money. Hopefully, she gets them things fixed. Like I don't, I'm. I made a donation to solve that problem. <laughs> yeah, uh, but they're really gonna just throw, I don't know, twelve million dollars in. Uh, I doesn't seem like a very efficient method of donating money. No, it really doesn't, and they're trusting that Alfred. Is this going to come in and like scoop it up, I guess, and put it in a giant pot or something to give to natural resources? Like, <laughs> this is just weird. Shouldn't there be it a was. person from some sort of group who's like, oh, I'll take this money for yeah. natural resources so we can, like, you know, put it into the pot for our our program? There, no, it's just some money on the floor. Yeah, like I've been involved in some local charity things and check presentations and stuff with companies I've worked for and usually there's like a a big check you know like a comically big check like you see on tv right everyone stands around and poses for a picture and then there's a nice little write-up in the newspaper or whatnot they don't just throw it on the floor and call it a night (laughs) yeah let's roll around in this giant stack of cash with a with a lady in a bikini that's I've never (laughs) seen that happen once uh, Sheldon Stark wasn't invited to a lot of upscale charity events or, you know, yeah. dinners or around others. I bet he's been to jail. If we Googled him, he was probably a serial killer or a suspect in something. This has some Criminal Minds vibes to it for sure. Well, problematically, first... the Wikipedia entry does not have a link for his name. So I assume this was his one, like, his one random, like, 
he wandered into into Hollywood and was like, I got this script about strippers and charity money. <laughs> and we're like, well, we need one for Batman. And then he wandered back off to the train tracks again. Interesting. What was his name? Sheldon Stark? Sheldon Stark. Are you actively Googling him now? I'm looking him up on IMDb because I am I need to know what happened to this guy. <laughs> oh, he was a he wrote lots of stuff. He died in 97. All of problematic. I don't see any ads. It's a fairly thin entry. He wrote for the Waltons, Quincy, some Disney stuff. The dirtier Disney stuff. Yeah, obviously. Mission Impossible, the old TV show, Mod Squad. Okay. Uh, well, it doesn't say anything. A man from Uncle. Everyone wrote for that. The Green Hornet. He was fairly prolific, but he didn't. Uh, doesn't say anything about him being a suspect in any heinous sex crimes, which I. Uh, yeah. He was a hardworking pervert. <laughs> yeah. There was definitely something going on there for sure. So then, uh, the the lady who was actually with the penguin pulls an umbrella out of the cake and starts gassing everyone. Yeah, penguin appears in the window and like mimes taking out an umbrella and it looks yeah. like he's meaning for her to shoot them and i was like whoa this is gonna take a turn but no she gasses them all and they all fall like face down in their plates yeah millionaires row down they go like diamond studded 10 pin that was the line from mr doomsday he's so good he is he makes it he sure. really makes the show yeah so now that everybody's asleep they're putting the money. Penguin comes in and they're just loading this $12 million into an upside down umbrella. Yeah. They didn't think to bring a bag or a, I don't know, anything. Just put it in your pocket. Yeah, no. Uh, umbrella. That's how I'm carrying carrying the money. money. And then they say, let's go back to our hideout at the pier. And there's some argument here with the goons again. Because why would we go back there? The police know about it. Exactly. It's the last place they'd look for us. So off they go. They're back incompetent. To the <laughs> yeah, they are. And they've already searched it, so they'll never search it again. This was a good opportunity, though, for Penguin to sing a song about putting money in your hat, and he missed it. <laughs> he could have been like, when you steal $12 million flat, put it in your hat, put it in your hat. <laughs> 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 and then done his little penguin dance around but and they all could have hats are, but hats aren't his gimmick he can't do hats he can wear a hat he can't reference his hat because that's a mad hatter thing hopefully when mad hatter comes back he sings a song or, or gives us the the life tip of put it in your hat i hope so but i guess we'll see that's so where now, mark simpson learned that <laughs> isn't that in her hair yeah yeah, she advises Bart if he if he if he sees a nickel, put it in your hat. Put it in your hat. And I took that as life advice from that moment on. Well, if I ever need a nickel, I'll know to take it out of your hat. Dick Grayson feels the same way. He often puts Alfred's nickels under his hat. <laughs> uh, so back at the pier here, Penguin is just the goons are like, hey, where's our cut? And so Penguin's just like throwing handfuls of cash over his shoulder out of his <laughs> umbrella. And one of them's like, yeah, I'm going to move away and start a pirate school with my money. Just, ah. Yeah, he says, like, Shut up. you know what I'm going to do with my cut, Penguin? And Penguin's like, 
looks at him like, I don't care. And then he says, I'm going to start a pirate school. And Penguin's like, that's both sad and stupid. Yeah. So he's thrown them the money and he goes to put it in. He's got a big safe, like a like a vault in his lair, of course, because everywhere in Gotham has a vault and a periscope. Yes. And it's the worst vault ever. It's just a giant dial, and he turns it like five degrees one way, back to the middle, back to the same number, back to the middle, and it opens. Like, well, that's not a very good, it's not a very good combination there. But it is bright pink. So Penguin probably also writes his writes his personal thoughts and dreams in it and what boys he's gonna do. <laughs> and and it's comically large, like even the, the thing you turn again, it's like the price is right wheel, you know, like come on, yeah. one dollar. I like the idea though now that I say that a penguin going into his pink vault and being like, <laughs> Oh, George Glass. Wah, 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 wah. He's so <laughs> he's so good to me. He winked at me in the lunchroom. And then his, his goons are like, aren't you 60? And he's like, quiet. I mean, in the past. <laughs> Shut up, Jimmy Fallon. I really hate that guy. <laughs> Why don't you go start your pirate school? <laughs> so he opens up the, the vault, but he doesn't go in. He just opens the door a little bit. And then he goes back because he notices uh, his lady, I guess, Vanilla, you said? Vanilla, yes. She's, she's really emotional. She's crying, so he goes over, waddles over to her to ask her what's going on. She's she doesn't she's want like, to be a bad guy. She's like, we cheated natural natural resources. Oh, the concept of natural resources. In my head, she's upset because she was so demeaned by these rich old guys. Just shut up, you throwing handfuls of money at her. I feel like she's probably pretty embarrassed by that. I've lost all sense of self-worth, which is saying something given that I'm part of this gang. Yeah. Uh, But we cut the emotions short because inside the vault, Batman and Robin. Somehow. Well, they weren't asleep because they took anti-penguin gas pills. Yeah, but then they also beat the penguin back to his lair and they would have had to have time to fool him into thinking they were still there. Like, Well, they have a much faster car. True, and Batman's a wizard, as we've established. He is a wizard. Uh, also, anti-gas pills are magic, and I feel I was thinking about it. Alfred got gassed again, of course, as part of this whole thing, and I feel like he gets gassed almost every time he's on screen. <laughs> every time in this season that he's opened the door to Wayne Manor to let someone in or to see who's at the door, he gets gassed. He should just take gas pill, anti-gas pills like vitamins you know <laughs> you think for the amount of times that poor man has gotten gassed he should really just like well i need my b12 and my vitamin c because i feel a cold coming on and uh, an anti-gas pill for the time when the doorbell rings you know what i mean <laughs> like that's <laughs> it's part of his always routine. getting gassed. yeah uh so as the fight is starting here uh, the lady faints i guess or gets gassed i don't really remember she falls down. Uh, Robin stops to feel her up for a little bit while the fight is starting. He like helps her to the ground and then like hovers over for a little while. And I'm pretty sure he's touching her boobs. <laughs> I've been wanting to do this since the cherry dinner. Yeah, golly. Well, if she shouldn't be dressed like that if she doesn't want it. That's what I think. Like, shut up. Really, Robin. she was asking for it. Yeah, you creepy little weirdo. 
I didn't get to throw any money because I'm a child. <laughs> All I had was nickels, and Batman said they might blind you. <laughs> Batman said if we uh, bruise you up, you're no longer attractive, similar to fruit. That was his exact words. Now, while I don't feel comfortable leaving Robin alone with this poor lady, uh, we have to because it's time for the Surf Kings of Gotham Fight Words Recap. Them's fighting words. During this confrontation, we get Zam, Ugg, Swoosh, Pam, Zap, and I believe for the first time ever, we get Flurb. That's F-L-R-B-B-B-B, Flurb. I don't know what makes that sound, but it's cool. This has been your Surf Kings of Gotham, Fight Words Recap. When I saw the flurb, I was like, I wonder how you pronounce that. And then I was like, Batman just punched that guy in the stomach before it made that sound. I wonder what Batman caused to rupture. <laughs> well, at least nobody got hit. Jimmy Fallon throws a spear in this fight. Uh, sticks into the wall, doesn't hit anybody. But that could have been dangerous. Yeah. And it's like right in the vicinity of Penguin, too. Like, he hurls it towards his boss. Yeah. Yeah, Jimmy Fallon is awful. I like, too, in this fight that Robin literally kicks Penguin to the ground and he stumbles like, oh! <laughs> Robin's a vicious little monster. He is. He got his, he's, he's like a horny chimp. <laughs> and then when Penguin gets back up and tries to escape, Robin had just locked somebody in the vault and sees him and grabs him by his coattails. And Penguin again is like, no! <laughs> Robin hurls him into a net. Yeah, he's hoisting his own evil net. Hoisted on his own evil petard. Yeah. Yeah, all gift wrapped for the police. Assuming they can Another find the place. Yeah, eventually. Before they they've only been there. Yeah, they've been there before, so they'll never find it again. <laughs> <laughs> we found some bones, Batman. <laughs> Lightning never strikes twice. Uh, it's like the police in Gotham City finding the same location twice. It's a miracle Chief O'Hara gets to work each day. If he wouldn't, if he didn't live there. <laughs> That's right, he does. He's in the closet. Shorn and thanks for the broom closet. I have a place to go where I can find my way back down the hallway. <laughs> but once Commissioner Gordon get, retires, he's getting that pull-out sofa couch. That's right. And the hot plate. <laughs> there will be no more scraps for me <laughs> <laughs> no more floor food for me oh there'll still be floor food i'm not turning it down <laughs> so the episode episode wraps up here at another millionaire's party at wayne manor this time with like 20 girls in bikinis that's right alfred's got two of them he's popular yeah he walks in with two of them on his arms and Aunt Harriet's like, Alfred! And then Alfred says something to him and they both leave. Like, clearly there's a, there's a story there that's not, being, that's not yeah. being covered. Ladies, meet me in my room. I'll get rid of the old broad. <laughs> Alfred's like, let me shut her up, my dears, and I'll be right along. <laughs> Where's that gas? <laughs> <laughs> uh, Dick is nervously talking to a girl. That was kind of funny. 
just stammering and weird. Yeah. Uh, She's like, are you going to support the concept of education for children? And Dick is like, oh, yeah, um, totally. That's that's the thing that I'll do. Can we do it with your bikini off? No, weirdo. Oh. I touched a boob today. Can I tell you about that? <laughs> My favorite part, though, was when uh, Alfred's, like, feeling bad about how he let Batman and Robin down. And so Dick just totally drops this girl who was giving him the time of day. And he's like, no, it's not Alfred. That's not true. And he's, like, yelling at him about a secret that he shouldn't be screaming in a room full of people. Yeah. And then no. they walk up, and Bruce is like, oh, no, that's not true, Alfred. And he overhears them, right? But then he, like, does a double take when he sees that Alfred was talking to Dick. Who'd you think he was talking to? <laughs> yeah. I'm glad they let Alfred off the hook. Alfred shouldn't feel bad. They knew all along. They used they him. They set him up. And he's their only hope of ever solving another case. Yeah. What I want to know is if they unprogrammed him or if he just is, he hears another squeaky toy at some point and then he's just, like, goes into penguin mode again. I don't know. Bruce went and bought a little squeaky, little squeaky dog toy, and he's like, I'll keep this for my amusement. <laughs> Maybe. Uh, so then Commissioner Gordon comes in with his date, uh, who is Vanilla, or whatever her name is, wearing oh, a fur not coat. A name. Yeah, fur coat, criminal, brings her along. I don't know if it's some kind of work release program where... If you escort me to this thing, I'll knock some time off your sentence, or you can sleep in my office with me tonight, or I don't really know what's going on, but it proves that there's no consequences for a criminal in Gotham City uh, if she's a lady. Letting me smell you counts as community service. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah, she's not going to jail. No, no, she's not. It's like, she's going to die in the gutter. Shut up, Dick. Take her coat. She's here to have fun. That's what they say. Shut up, Dick. Take her coat. She's here to have fun, which means she doesn't want to see or hear from you. (laughs) You remember me? I touched your boobs earlier. (laughs) You were wearing a mask at the time, but you were there. You might might not recognize me. I was wearing a mask. (laughs) And not my usual pervert mask, but like a Robin mask. Oh, I gave it away. Uh, yep. That is the end of season one of Batman 1966. Yeah. It ends with tune in next week for Catwoman, which does not happen. Like, next, nope. that's the end of the season, and then there's the movie, and then the start of next season has special guest villain um, The Archer, played by Art Carney from The Honeymooners. So I don't know what the hell they're talking about, but clearly neither did Desmond Doomsday. Yeah, that's it. That that's the end of the season. Wow. Yeah, we made it. We've come so far. Yeah, that's not it for us though. We'll be back soon with both a bonus and coverage of the Batman movie. So let's (laughs) do our ratings for this episode. So our overall Batman rating, our Batman scale, which is where we judgmentally sit and like. Monday morning quarterback Batman's effectiveness as a crime fighter when we contribute nothing to society. Uh, He lets an old man who serves him as as an indentured servant walk around with a twitch from being brainwashed for a while. So you think he would have gotten on top of that just out of loyalty. But he knew about it. 
And so he wasn't fooled, I guess. No, he, he used just, it as part of his plan. It was he was like hard to judge. It was like that episode of The Simpsons where there, there's that commercial where the guy drives by the burning building and it says, Do you ever drive by a burning building and think, how can this benefit me? <laughs> Batman's like, yeah. oh no, my loyal aide and helper who have known my entire life has something wrong with him. How can I leverage this? Yeah. So I guess on a morality scale, Batman would rank pretty low. Overall effectiveness, I mean, he was pretty, pretty, uh, pretty knocked over by that room full of gently opening umbrellas. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That wasn't very effective. No, but he caught onto the plan. They they were prepared with anti-penguin gas pills, so that they were able to beat him back to the hideout, pounce out of a. Not a cake. That was the lady, but pounce out of the the safe in the in the room there, the vault. Yeah, they did teleport them, so. into a vault because Batman is a wizard. Um, I don't know. Six. Yeah, yeah, I'm thinking six. You're right. So, what about our Robin scale of Robin's sheer amount of hostility and feralness? He was taken down a couple pegs in this by all the ladies around. I noticed. Uh, both as Robin and and Dick Grayson, he was yeah, a little Dick bit Grayson didn't nervous and awkward like he usually does. Yeah, and Robin felt up that lady when she was asleep. He absolutely so did. That's that's a different kind of crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Robin's just the worst. He is. He didn't do any uh, anything too crazy during the fight, like. I wonder sometimes watching the show in a way that no one was ever meant to watch it, meaning back on back and back and make taking notes. I wonder, did Batman think when he adopted this boy from the circus, that's what I need, Alfred? Some sort of barely contained psychological misfit <laughs> fresh from the circus. That's Probably. what my war on crime needs. A lunatic. Every Every crew needs a wild card. Batman was like, I need a mad what is what was he called on the A team? Was it Mad Murdoch? Howling Howling Mad Murdoch. Howling yeah. Mad Murdoch. He's like, I need a howling mad Murdoch. <laughs> and Alfred was like, I don't know what you mean, sir. And Batman's like, You will when it comes on TV in 20 years. Granted, you'll be dead said, because Batman's a wizard. He said, punch it into the anti-crime computer. Find yeah. out who's liable to fall on their head and sustain brain injury. Uh, <laughs> circus performers, sir. That's it. Yeah. Trapeze artist, sir. <laughs> yeah, so I don't know. He's probably only a five or a six here. I mean, it's crazy to feel up ladies that are unconscious. You can't do that. That's bad. Um, but he didn't bite anybody. He didn't. He didn't jump on any old man's back and punch him in the head several times. Yeah. Yeah, I did like how say. it doesn't really have any rating, any merit on the rating scale, but I did like how when they were in the um, room with just enough oxygen for a gorilla, how quickly Robin <laughs> blacked out completely. Yeah. yeah, I don't think he was. I think he was still knocked out from when they took them and put them in there. I don't think he was ever conscious in that room. He just woke up and was like, well, this is an unpleasant surprise. Yeah. Ooh, balloons. <laughs> is it my birthday? Like, He's probably like taking a deep breath and he's like, Batman, 
I think there's only enough room, oxygen that's room for a gorilla. Yeah. So yeah, I don't know. Is he a, he's on probably the a scale this episode. He's probably, he's probably a five too. He's probably a five. Yeah. Maybe, yeah, a, maybe a four. Good. Yeah. All right. We'll call it a five. On the Warden Crichton scale of progressive penology, where we rate the villain and their scheme, their plot. Um, ugh, I don't know. I liked his plot. It was a pretty unique idea to set up a again i'm sad you had me excited and built up and my expectations through the roof for him to open a restaurant a seafood restaurant uh turns out it was just a false uh false advertising bait and switch kind of situation with a, a fake fish store turns but he managed just a weird caviar store with an open barrel <laughs> in the middle of the floor <laughs> yeah so that part was disappointing but that's not warden Crichton's fault that's nobody's fault but yours so yes. I would say that part of the plan was good. Uh, capturing and brainwashing a butler. I love it. Any Alfred-centered plot. Again, I thought this was a backdoor plot for Undercover Butler, season one. Uh, I loved it. And Penguin came a long way from not knowing who Bruce Wayne was to knowing that's his butler. Yeah, and how to that his butler would be looking for caviar and how to get an advertisement for caviar, for cut-rate caviar in front of him. Right. And that there was a millionaire's dinner, a secret multi-millionaire's dinner, where they throw handfuls of money at charity-related strippers. I Again, I don't like that. I didn't I like that part. But that the, wasn't the plan's fault. The plan was still good. The real villains here were the millionaires who forced runaways to dress up as strippers and, and put like sashes that said social justice across them. They are the, they're yeah. the real villains here. They are. I don't want to see those bastards get what's coming to them. And they did. They got gassed. They got their money stolen in, uh, I don't know. I'd probably, I'd give the plot like an eight. It's a good plot. It was entertaining overall. Some weird, weird choices, but we're used to that. Yeah. Yeah, so that was a pretty good episode. Not the best episode to end the season one on, but I don't really know what you would have ended it on unless it was all building towards Joker, like, creates it goes into business with a vending machine company that would have been a that good was, build up that was a good that was a good one yeah yeah so but i still don't totally get batmania and how like how this like i enjoyed all the episodes for the most part but i don't totally get how this was like a phenomenon well you got to keep in mind it all comes down to the time period and again reading through Jim Beard's books and getting an overview of, of what the culture and stuff was like. It was, you know, 14 years or whatever before I was born. So I don't really have that context other than going back and and trying to, to see the world through that lens by reading these essays and, and reading books and, and kind of thinking about it. And for the first, you know, boldly colored show on TV, um, Again, kids and their parents were watching the same shows because if you had a TV, uh, you had one TV. So the whole family was watching the same show. Um, you know, there was there was bright colors. There was stuff. There was ladies. There was, you know, humor. I feel like it was, it was the first of its time or ahead of its time. Or it was, you know, I, I could see it at the time. Again, having three channels, three shows to choose from at any given time. I could see this one being being maniacal. 
I mean, I would watch this obsessively if it was new. I'm watching it obsessively currently, and it's like 50 years old, 60 years old. Yeah. So, um, but uh, I feel like people in the 60s, it's weird because you they so jumped on this and it was such a big sensation. But at the same time, mid 60s TV or really 60s TV in general was insane throughout, like across the board. And then they got into the 70s, people were like, no, no, let's focus on real issues. And people ate it up. And I'm like, did you not realize how good you had it? You had a show about a out of shit guy who decides to dress up in a weird costume and fight geriatric guys who start vending machine companies. And you had a show about a guy who's the god emperor of a small town in the south with a jumpy deputy. And you had a show about a guy who was a sex slave genie. Like all these things were wonderful. Yeah. What a time to be alive. TV hit its peak, and then they were like, well, it's 1970. Time to unplug that. And in fairness, there's probably some stuff, you know, some social commentary and things were, were missing watching this show on account of being idiots. Yes. Yeah. Being stupid <laughs> makes things hard. There could be a whole other level to what's going on here that we just flying completely over our heads. It's like the whole thing about how The Wizard of Oz is about the gold standard. But I'm like, how do the flying monkeys factor into that? <laughs> and then people who people who know that are like, oh, God, stop with the flying monkeys. I'll never stop. And you tell your wife to be nice to you. Yes. Just stop with the <laughs> flying monkeys already. But they fly and they're creepy and they're clearly little people. So that's, well, that's, that's season one, episode 34. And conveniently, season one all of it yes ending on a note about flying monkeys yep as we knew we would at the very beginning what's a word they would say in the 60s it's gonna be keen yeah keen do we have any keen socials we sure do as always you can follow us on facebook at surf kings of gotham we also have a youtube channel at surf kings of gotham we are on twitter and instagram at our show on shows and we have a website uh, as well coming soon, uh, our show on shows.com. It'll definitely be up for season two. We're getting all our ducks in the row for season two. You thought we would have done it in season one, but we went by the, by the adage of just jump in the pool and figure out how to swim if you don't drown. That's right. There's no sense having all that stuff set up if we're not ever going to record an episode. Yeah. So, but we, we're getting we there. stuck to it. We did it. Yeah. 34 episodes. I'm proud of us. Yeah. Speaking of being proud of us, why don't you leave us a review and subscribe and do all that podcast-related stuff, review and share and subscribe and podcast-related pats on the back, if you will. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Those make us feel good inside. Yeah. And then you'll never miss anything as well, like our upcoming Surf Kings of Gotham merchandise that's sure to amuse and entertain you including an undercover butler shirt. Yeah, it's going to be like deeply esoteric, so it's, it's all icebreakers for conversation. People can be like, what the hell does that shirt mean? And right before they punch you, you can explain it, and then they'll have a good laugh with you and your friends. Yeah, they'll probably still punch you. Yeah, but that's you, because you've of just your got, personality, you, not the shirt. Yeah, and, and your face. You just got one of those faces. <laughs> exactly. Like Colin Yost. <laughs> I was thinking Jimmy Fallon, but yes. I went with that because he called his book that. 
Yeah, no, it's a great book. It really is. You should go buy it. Not an affiliate link. That's right. Well, that does it for this season of Surf Kings of Gotham. Uh, join us next time where we'll probably be recapping the movie or we'll have a very special episode uh, where one of us tries drugs. Yes. Bruce Wayne drugs. <laughs> so Robin, I've got to go after Robin. <laughs> it won't be me. I can't do that very good. That's that's Batman's drugs. Bruce Wayne's drugs are much more <laughs> low key. You stumble that's around right. and you're like, saying thank you for nothing because someone told you told a person where they could told the police where they could find you <laughs> ah your warrants said we'd find you here thank you okay uh, great ah so that's it there's more to come we'll see you soon on surf kings of gotham till then bye everybody bye dr nick Sir King of Gotham.